ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Scott Show. Good morning. What's happening, y'all? It's a beautiful day. Wednesday, April the 6th. A lot to get into this morning. Man. Anthony Babineau is going to join us over the phone line in the 8 o'clock hour. That's when we'll hit on some Cajun baseball. Education football coach Michael Desermo at 7.15. The spring game Saturday. Pelicans. The New Orleans Pelicans, if you didn't stay up late last night, and I'm going to be completely honest, I fell asleep after the first quarter. Not that I didn't want to stay up, but I was I was pretty tired after a, uh, a night and a day away in NOLA for the national championship game. It's nice to wake up this morning, see that, uh, yeah, okay, Pelicans beat the Kings. Secured a spot in the play-in, and the Lakers lost, meaning the Pelicans now have a 99.6% chance that the pick goes to them. And if one of the teams with the really, really long odds were to jump them, then it might actually be the Pelicans' pick, which they keep because it's top four protected. So the, the point is, it was a really good night for the Pelicans last night. A really good night. They win after a 3-16 and start. Now, it might sound ridiculous. Postseason and playoffs kind of mean two different things, at least at the start of the NBA postseason. Because the play-in is postseason, and the playoffs is postseason. But the play-in, a single game for a 9 and 10 seed win or go home and then if you win it then it's another win or go home game against either the Clippers or the Timberwolves the Pelicans they still have work to do if they want to make sure they're hosting that 9-10 matchup oh and it happens to be against the Spurs who have beaten the Pelicans more often than they've not but after starting 3-16 and and without Zion Williamson logging a single second come on I mean, this where this team was in December, early December. You didn't think this was going to happen. You didn't think this was going to happen. Come on, come on. Let's be real. And there's been a lot of things that were unexpected. Jackson Hayes, you know, at the four, and and how he's taken to it. Trey Murphy's late season surge. Jose Alvarado, a UDFA, just emerging out of nowhere. Herb Jones becoming a starter. Look, in the Anthony Davis trade, the Lakers got a bubble championship in the bubble. Their hope was to get one. Their hope was to get 
more than just one. But they got that. They might trade with it. They wouldn't say that right now based on where they are. But, but you know. Come on. But when you look back at what they actually got in return for that, it was a heck of a lot. You could tell all they got was Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and a late first-round pick. Well, no, it was a whole lot more than that. All the draft rights, all the pick swaps, and what they use, what they've actually got in return is Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum, Jackson Hayes, Herb Jones, the Lakers' top 10 first-round pick this year, a 2023 swap right, the Lakers' 2024 first-round pick that's unprotected. So 80% of the Pelicans' starting lineup in multiple first-round picks that are on the way, pretty good. Pretty, Pretty good. Sure. Not bad. Not bad. Heck of a night last night. Monday night, I had the uh, the opportunity. Not on one of the several press rows of the Superdome, but just with some friends. To go to the national championship game. Kansas-UNC. And I'll be honest. It surpassed my expectation. Because as I was telling you guys Monday morning... Look, there's nothing tonight's game can do to get out of the shadow of Saturday's game. Coach K's last. And in some ways, I don't I don't know. I, di- I didn't take in the game on TV, so I'm not sure if it did. But it was a great game. And typically in a close game, it's just close the whole time. You don't have these giant swings like you had in that matchup. But it delivered. It delivered in a big way. And being there, as I often talk about on this show when it comes to live sporting events, whether it is regardless of the sport, the role a crowd plays in the game is more than just cheering for your team, booing the opponent, maybe booing your team if you don't like what they're doing, whatever it might be. It is the shared emotional experience and everyone feeding off of it and raising the energy level and feeling that. It's palpable. And even at a neutral site like the Superdome, which I thought the viewing would be awful from far away, and actually you you see it pretty good. The vantage points from a basketball court in the middle of the Superdome are better than I expected. You can see the game well. Two great fan bases. I mean, at UNC, come on. What are they doing there? What are they doing at Chapel? It's basketball. It's basketball at Chapel Hill. College hoops. It's Michael Jordan. It's the illustrious history. It's the baby blue. In Kansas, what is the number one thing they have? What is the number one sport in the state? It is college basketball. It is Kansas Jayhawks basketball. The fan bases, the energy they brought throughout that game was awesome. And I've heard a lot of people say, man, Final Four, it's just, it's fun. I talked to to Tony Knopp, who is a CEO, uh, was a ticket manager and started a business in California. He's very successful, but... What he deals with, essentially, is his company. They get tickets to all the big sporting events around the world and help big companies give them to their clients. 
So if Google, say, or Amazon or whoever needed the tickets to a Super Bowl or a Final Four, they go through them, they give it to them, then they'll give it to their clients or they'll go themselves or whatever. My point is this. Tony has been to every huge sporting event you can think of around the world. Formula One, World Cup, Wimbledon, doesn't matter. WrestleManias, which had a big moment over the weekend. Super Bowls, national championships in college football, college World Series, baseball World Series, NBA Finals, NBA All-Star Games. He has consistently said the most fun one, the best one, is the Final Four. I was like, really? And I wasn't even there on Saturday or Sunday. I was just in New Orleans for an afternoon and an evening. But I get it now. I get it. Something I didn't get when the news came out on Monday was the Saints trade with the Eagles. Honestly, I had to look at it a couple of times. It's on my phone in the back of a car. When it happened, someone texted me and I was like, wait, what? What's going on? Really? Okay. But why? Why? What? Here's the thing. If I, like, I can look at this in a vacuum and say, everyone could say, oh, well, you know, Saints got two picks this year. They're trying to make moves now. They lost a third. I think it was Josh, one of our listeners, who said, Scott, they lost a third they got for free in a second in a couple years. First of all, they didn't get the third for free. That's not how compensatory picks work. And they knew they were going to get a third, which now apparently they don't know how comp picks work because they're going outside and Andy Dalton instead of Trevor Simeon and losing future comp picks in the meantime. But the point is this. I'm getting off track. If I'm looking at this in a vacuum, say, look, the Eagles traded the 16th overall pick for a third rounder a 2023 first, and a 2024 second. And they traded the 16th overall pick just to move back two spots. Looking at it that way, who got the better end of the deal? The Eagles. But that's not how we should look at it. And I was was just two in the moment anyway. The reality is, it's no fun to wait. You want trade grades immediately. I want to do it. You want to do it. You want to rush to say, oh, the Saints, they're going to nail this. Oh, the Saints, this is this is awful. What the hell are they doing? If they hit on the two picks, it's fine. But they have to hit on both of them. Because if they only hit on one of them, then you're going to say, really, you just gave up the 101st overall this year? You gave up a future second? You trade it next year's first so you could use it this year and get a guy that didn't work out. They have to hit on both of them. And if they do, you're going to look back and say, that was a great move. And if they miss on both of them, you're going to say, that was one of the worst moves ever. And if they hit on one of the two, you're going to look at it and you're going to say, yeah, it was a bad move. They could have just gotten the guy they wanted and they just had a first next year and kept other picks and not traded away a future second. That's what it is, guys. And I know we don't want to wait. We want to give the trade grade right now. What are they doing? Because that's more fun. But that's not how that's really just not how it works. 
I get it, man, Scott. If they hit a quarterback and a receiver, it doesn't matter. Yeah, sure. You're right. Are you confident they're going to do that? Maybe it's just my confidence in the Saints this offseason has waned a little. They don't have their head coach anymore. They've added one player on offense, one, Andy freaking Dalton, who essentially is just Trevor Simeon plus, who you could have had back and not lost the future compensatory pick in the meantime. But I digress. You want to grade the trade? You need to wait. We got a lot more to get into. Coach Michael Desimo, Rage Cajun football coach. Spring game this Saturday, 11 a.m. How's the health of the team? How are the QBs looking? How's the O-line looking? Who's been most impressive? We're going to ask him all those questions and more when we come back after this. It's the Great Scott Show, ESP and Lafayette. Don't go anywhere. The biggest names in sports are talking to you every day on the Rich Eisen Show with me, Rich Eisen. I know! Every weekday from noon to 3, right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now, back to more of the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather. Welcome back into the great Scott show ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Rage Cajun football, the spring game this Saturday is their spring culminates over at Cajun field here to talk to us about some Cajun football, how it's been, what to expect and more is the head coach of Louisiana, former captain and quarterback. Now the man, Running the show over there, riding a uh, long win streak heading into next season, Coach Michael Desimo. Good morning, Coach. How are you on this Wednesday? Good morning, Scott. I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, man. And uh, with, with the spring game coming up Saturday, my first question for you, I was thinking about it. You know, you've been through a lot of spring games. You've been through a lot of spring practices in your life. This is your first one as, as the head coach at UL. Did you, as the head coach, did you learn anything new this spring, or is it kind of been what you would you expected, having you know experienced plenty in the past? I mean, it was kind of what I what I expected for the most part. You know, um, you know, it was actually kind of funny. The one thing is, I don't I don't know how long. I mean, I, I've had like you said, quite a few springs. I don't know that we've ever had to cancel a practice, and we had to you know this spring because we had those the severe weather days where we canceled school, so. So I guess that was new uh, to have to kind of move the schedule around a little bit. You know, we're all creatures of habit. You get so locked into – so we had to adjust some things there. But, you know, I mean, really nothing nothing really crazy new, you know, just kind of being flexible and adjusting, you know, with the uh, with the weather changes a little bit. Yeah. Um, when, when you 
look up and down the roster. I guess I'll get this one out of the way now. From a health standpoint, have there been any big setbacks in the spring, or have you guys kind of avoided the big ones? Well, you know, spring is always one of those deals. It's like it's like a double-edged sword. It's like you're so excited to get out there and practice, and it's so good to get back to football, and you want to see what next year's team looks like. And at the same time, you are absolutely terrified that somebody gets hurt. Um, you know, and that's, you know, it's just it's like you're playing with fire a little bit there. Um, you know, throughout spring, we did have, we got three guys that, that did get hurt for, you know, for the entirety of spring, um, you know, with Landon Burton, which is, you know, disappointing, you know, you're always disappointed for the kids personally, but, you know, I mean, Landon was really, you know, kind of owning that starting center role. Um, so, you know, we got a plan to get him back for fall camp, but obviously that's still significant time. Um, you know, Kendrell Williams, the uh, freshman running back, he's going to be out for the season next year. Um, which is, which is, you know, again, you're just devastated for him, um, just cause he's worked so hard and he really had a good spring. Um, and then Rhett Gidry, uh, yesterday, um, uh, sounds like he, uh, broke his collarbone. So he'll be out for the rest of spring and he'll be back, you know, some point in the summer, which, you know, I mean, again, all those guys, like you just see them making progress and you're so excited to see them out there and working and practicing and getting better. And then, you know, they get hurt and, and you're always kind of, you know, kind of playing what ifs, you know, could you have done some things differently, you know, but it's just the nature of it a little bit. Yeah, nature of the game, man. Um, it happens, and I know you mentioned Landon Burton. From an O-line standpoint, we've talked a lot about heading into the spring knowing you weren't going to have a few guys that, that you do plan on having in the fall, but they were still recovering. Is that going to alter right. uh, Saturday at all in the Vermilion and White spring game? Do you have to do things a little differently um, because yeah. of, of that? Yeah, it, it it definitely altered Saturday. Um, you know, kind of went back through our notes from the last four years. Uh, well, I guess really three, you know, in 2020, obviously we didn't have spring. But, um, you know, last year was easy, you know, full roster, especially you had all the COVID seniors. So, I mean, we went and played a full game, you know, no problems. Um, but we've had to kind of adjust before. So what we're going to do is, is basically, you know, the bulk of the work is done. You know, the, the spring bank game is a culmination of, of, of everything, but it's it certainly, you know, people always ask, well, does a spring game determine this or that? And it's like, no, you know, the 15 practices, including the spring game, determine how things work. Um, so for us, you know, it's, it's fun because it's the end of spring. It's a fun day for the kids. They get to go out there. You got some fans in the stands and you get to go and kind of cut loose and have a good time. But, you know, we're not going to go out there and go play a full game just for the sake of doing it and risk injuring more of our guys. You know, we're going to be smart with it. Um, we're going to, obviously it'll be live, um, but we're going to play some situations to start with, you know, so we'll have a first down period and we'll kind of explain the rules and the point system. Then we'll play a third down team period. Um, then we'll do what we call our red zone lockout period, which you're playing for points, uh, you know, offense against defense, obviously in all these situations. Um, then we'll do a little halftime. And then after that, we'll come out and we'll play a quarter. Um, of a game and we'll go out there and go play for a quarter and, and cut it loose for, you know, for 15 minutes and see where we end up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as for a full game that there's just, you know, just in, in my gut, that just tells me that that wouldn't be the right thing for our kids. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Well, coach, tell me, I guess, um, what the best part of spring has been. What, what's been the most positive aspect of, uh, the last month and, you know, heading into this Saturday. 
Oh man, so so much good stuff. You know, I mean, obviously, young guys, right? Like they finally, for the first time, feel like there's 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 life in there. They feel like, okay, I've got a chance to compete right here. The opportunity exists for me to come in here and, and earn a spot in this team. And you see so many of these young kids doing it from these young DBs that have been, I mean, really just buried behind really good players, right? To the young running backs, to, uh, you know, shoot these young D linemen and linebackers, you know, all these positions where, you know, y- yeah, you, you lost some really good players. And, you know, of course it's concerning when you go into it, but you know that you've done a good job. You've recruited the right kind of kids. You've recruited good players. And now it's just, it's their turn. Um, so that, that's the most fun part, without a doubt, is, is you see the competition, you see the spirit out there, and you see them doing it. And then, you know, you get to the older guys, and, you know, some of these guys that have been around here and play a long time, they've sat behind. I mean, you know, you go back to, to last year. I mean, Levi Lewis was here for five years, and the guy played every single year he was here, you know, um, that's, that's unheard of. You know, Chauncey Manak is a junior college transfer, and he was here for four years. Um, it, it's just, it was an unprecedented time um, with COVID and all those things. Um, so you had a lot of guys that are on our, on our team right now that they've been playing a lot, but they haven't had to lead the team because they've had older guys in front of them. Um, so, you know, those guys are getting their first opportunity to lead, and, and it's a heck of a leadership group that we have. I mean, they've done a great job with it, and it's it's a group that I think they're they're up for the challenge. They know the standard, and and um, they kind of understand the mission that we're trying to you know trying to continue here. Louisiana head coach Michael Desimo, our guest. Vermilion and White spring game this Saturday, Occasion Field. Admission is free. Eleven a.m. is when it'll get started. And um, coach, uh, I know that. You've said, look, it's it's not so much the game, it's the 15 practices and and the game, right? The spring game matters, but right. if you take, yeah. you know, you, you don't, if, if you if you go to the spring game, you don't want to take, I guess, a, a major takeaway because you haven't been able, I guess, as a, as a spectator, unless you're, you know, on the staff or with the team, been able to see all 15 practices. So I imagine you want to see something slightly different on Saturday than what you see in practice. There's a few things that are different. I guess it's an inexact response probably to this question, Coach, but how much do you just put into the game itself? Because you, you made a point earlier to say, look, it's 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 kind of the practices. So what what do you take away from the game that you wouldn't be able to take away from the spring practices? You know, I think the thing that you that you get and it's not just the spring game, but it, it's it's the Saturday practices, you know, the last two Saturdays even before the spring game where we've taken the coaches off the field, right? And it's, you know, it's a full operation, right? You call the plays, you call the defense, you call the offense, you signal it in. They have to communicate the signal. They have to communicate the call. You know, on, on Tuesday, Thursday practices, our coaches are kind of on the field, and, you know, we're, we're trying to facilitate the practice, right? You're installing things in the middle of the week, so, you know, you're telling them, you know, might be telling the quarterback, hey, you know, it's no, it's this protection, right? You know, set them over here. You know, uh, the linebackers coaches communicating, you know, the motion adjustment and things like that. So the thing that, that you really get is you see the guys that really, really know it and that can communicate and can can play it all out, you know, whenever all the coaches are off the field. And I think that's something that, that's huge. Um, you know, as far as tackling, though, people say, well, you find out who can tackle. Well, I mean, I mean we, we pretty much tackle every day the way we practice. You know, we don't go to the ground, but, you know, we – 
we thud people up and we actually, you know, we get a stop, you know, so it's not, that to me is not a big deal. Um, you know, and as far as for, you know, the game like atmosphere, you really can't replace that until you get to a game anyway. So I think the biggest thing is that whenever you get all these coaches off the field, you just let these guys go. Um, that's where it's kind of like an equalizer and who really understands it and who's getting coaching cues to be able to make it work a little bit. Coach Michael Desmar, guest. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. Coach, when you played, was there, I guess, an off season or a spring where you felt like you made a big jump? Or if, if it wasn't the spring, what moment do you feel like when you were a player did you make sort of your biggest jump in the game where things started to make more sense? You know, it was kind of, I mean, it, it had to have been the spring before my junior year. Um, you know, whenever I was a freshman, you know, before my sophomore year or after my redshirt freshman year, you know, I, I was the backup quarterback and there was really no questions about it. You know, there was, there was never an open competition. Um, you know, Jerry Babb was quarterback then and he'd been starting before I got there. And, and so he was a starter and that was that. And so, you know, I got some reps with the twos, but really, you know, one of the worst things I think was the spring before my sophomore year when they told me that, you know, I'd solidified myself as a backup. They wanted some of these other guys to get reps. So that spring, and I'd, I'd actually just gotten an accident, um, but I was cleared for spring, but I really didn't, I didn't get many reps that spring. I felt like that really hurt me. Um, and then going into my junior year, you know, um, I'd been a backup for two years and all these things. And, you know, I was told that it was a three-way quarterback competition. And if I didn't win it in the spring, then, you know, so be it. It wasn't, but it wasn't my job. So that spring before my junior year, you know, I went from really the year before kind of thinking I made it a little bit and not having a whole lot to do, which was probably detrimental to all of a sudden. It's like you're fighting for your life for a job, which um, certainly there was a lot of value in that for me, um, having to compete having to win the job and really having to win the team over. So, you know, that was kind of, it was kind of like back-to-back years, but it was kind of like the high and the low. Um, but spring is something that I've always enjoyed. Um, it's like you get that little taste right before you go into off-season training, and it kind of just, you know, it kind of quenches your thirst a little bit, gets you refocused, gets you ready to go out there, go out there for, you know, all-season, summer, lifting, uh, strength and conditioning, and then kind of, you know, getting your, getting your bearing straight to come back in the fall and go get it. Two follow-up questions to that, Coach. One, having gone through that, now you're the head coach. You, you're the play caller. You work with the quarterbacks closely. How does that? How does your experience, I guess, impact your approach? Right when you're looking at, I guess, when spring started this year, you said, "Listen, we have two guys at quarterback in Chandler Fields and Ben Walrich. That you know, if we had a depth chart today, they might be at the top, but that." that doesn't mean that it's it's solidified, right? The other guys, they just hadn't been here as long, so they're not as entrenched in the system, but it's pretty open. So knowing what that position, I guess, represents, how how do you take your experience when it happened and apply it to this spring with all these guys that I'm sure are all, they're all itching to play, but, you know, it's not like, it's not like a wide receiver where you could put multiple guys on the field at once. I guess you can a little. I mean, I mean, you and Jerry might have shared it, but you get what I'm saying, right? For the most part, yeah. you're just going to have one quarterback out on the field whenever it's whenever it's game day. Yeah. You know, that, that's always tough because, you know, a quarterback, um, you know, really only one's going to play. Even if you have two that you feel really good about. I mean, like you think like what, what we did with Levi and uh, 
and Nunez a few years ago where it was like, you know, Levi got a couple series, you know, a couple series of games. So it's still not the same. You know what I mean? Still one guy's playing. Um, so it, it's difficult at quarterback, you know, and I think that's why you don't rush the decision at quarterback to make a depth chart. Because um, in my mind, if you do that, then you kind of uh, – you force the issue and, you know, you got to let that thing really play out because if you don't, you know, and, and you don't make, I don't want to say, the wrong, you know, I feel really good about what we have in this room. But if you make, you know, the wrong choice, well, shoot, it could take you weeks to figure it out in the season or, I mean, you may never figure it out because you're really playing one guy. So, you know, at receiver, any position, right, you just said receiver, so I'm going to say it, you know, you say, all right, well, yeah, this guy, he's had a good spring. I feel a little bit better about him. We'll put, he'll be the starter going in, but, you know, so-and-so, you know, he's had a great spring too, so they're going to roll, they're going to rotate. Well, you figure out series by series who's playing really good and who needs to play more. You know, at quarterback, you just, you can't rush that decision because, you know, we all know this, right, the quarterback, I mean, if you get good play out of that position, you got a chance to win every week. If you get poor play out of that position, it's hard. So, uh, you know, you just got to be patient with it. You got to make sure you write this, make the right decision for the team. You don't want to rush it, as you said. You anticipate this decision, can, you know, continuing, this competition continuing into into August and, and then closer to kickoff, or is this something that might, you know, be, be decided by the end of Saturday? You know, I, I, don't, I don't think that right now you could call it to be honest with you, um, you know, and I, I think Ben and Chandler have separated themselves a little bit more, um, you know, from the rest of the crew now. And it's not that, that, that other, the younger group, right. Those guys are really, really talented. And, um, they do a lot of things that you get excited about. Um, but Ben and Chandler are just so much more consistent and entrenched in the offense. But I do think that those guys, those younger guys that are, that are in the mix, if they'll continue to, to work at it and continue to to improve and um, understanding the system and understand all the ins and outs of it, that group's going to be really good too. Um, but I mean, you know, with, with Ben and Chandler, I feel really good that our starter for this year is probably one of those two. Um, but I just don't think, you know, between now and Saturday, I don't know what could happen that you would say, okay, you know, um, this is it. But, you know, I mean, there, there's you never write anything off. You never say never. So, you know, we'll keep playing out and we'll see, but I would anticipate this probably going through the summer, to be quite honest with you. Sure, yeah. And, and I know, as you said, like because of the nature of the position, it gets asked about more than other positions. So my next question, it's not so much about quarterback, but just looking at the roster coach, and it may it may not be somebody, it may be one guy, maybe multiple guys, but you said that between, you know, it was the spring heading into your, your junior year where there was sort of a big jump. Has there been a guy that, you know, this spring you've kind of seen, okay, that that's a big jump. I mean, I saw, I've seen him play, but it, it feels like things are really starting to click for him right now. He's Maybe he's not thinking as much. Maybe he's just reacting, whatever it might be. That comfort level and that light bulb have just kind of come on for him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, how much time you got? I think there's a bunch of guys. As much that, time as you, know, you want, Coach. You're, it's, it's anytime you're on my show, you can have as much time as you want. <laughs> I appreciate that. Your listeners might get tired of hearing about it. They might turn it off. It might kill your radio. Whatever. Uh, it's my show. I'll do what I want. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Um, I mean, you know, it's got to be honest with you. Like, 
there's a bunch of guys that you're just so proud of, like, and, and you're so excited to see. You know what I mean? Nathan Thomas, right, who's played a lot. You see him growing up and taking over. King McGowan, a guy who has not played a lot, um, has done some really good things this spring. You know what I mean? And, and, look, I'm not saying these guys are, are you know, all-conference players right now, some of them, you know, but they're doing some really good things and they're growing up. You know, George Jackson, who came here as a mid-year senior, you know, he's growing up and maturing. Um, you know, you you kind of you talk about those running backs, that young group of running backs, they flash every day. Um, you know, at corner, I think Trey Amos is finally starting to feel like, you know, the door's open, right, and he's a starter now, and he's owning that role. Uh, you know, you go to those linebackers, you know, Quibb and, and Chris Moncrief. Well, shoot, those guys have been here a long time. They've waited their chance to go out there and go take over the group, and then they've led them, too, like the group behind me, Jasper Williams, Kendra Gant, um, you know, the freshman, Caleb Edwards, who's done a really good job. Uh, you know, you go down the list with that group. The young D-line, um, you know, one of the best things that, that happened, you know, this spring is, is Zion, you know, has, has an injury that we knew he'd be out for spring. Um, Zion's taken thousands of reps over here. I know Zion can play. Well, that means that Mason Norseys gets more reps. That means that Jordan Lawson gets more reps. That means Nigel McGriff gets more reps. That means Marcus Weiser, who just got here, gets more reps. Um when you go on and on and on and you see those guys, you know, that's a group that I always felt like had so much talent that we were just waiting on them to, to grow up and to mature and to take this role and to run with it. Um, so, you know, there, there's just, there's so many guys right now that you just feel like, wow, you know, this is, this is what we thought this guy was out of high school. And every kid develops at a different rate, you know, and that's the thing that, you know, they come in here, and you have all this promise, and that's why I always say I don't think you can ever count on a freshman to come in and fill an immediate need. I think you can be hopeful, certainly. Um, but everybody develops at a different rate, regardless of how talented they are. Um, you know, Zion is, 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 has been a great player for us on the defensive line. But, you know, if you would ask him his freshman year, he, he really wasn't ready to play. You know, I mean, he wasn't, you know, physically and, and, and probably maturity-wise, wasn't really ready to play. And, you know, he ended up kind of uh, having to have a, a, a knee scope done and probably saved him a year, really, um, and made us better, made him better in the long run. So, you know, it doesn't mean they're not a good player if they don't play in year one or year two. I mean, heck, I, I wasn't started till year three after I registered and sat for two years. So, you know, those things happen, and um, it's just fun when you start to see the light bulb click a little bit and guys that, you know, really didn't have a whole lot of, you know, shoot, I had some guys came talk to me and, you know, coach, do you, do you think that I can play here? You know, should I stay or should I go? And you see him have a great spring. And so it's like, you know, th there it is, right? You know, the light's clicking a little bit for him. So those things are uh, are always really, uh, it's really fun to see. And I think it's gratifying as a coach when you see it starting to happen. Yeah, it's got to be rewarding as a coach. Whenever, whenever the mm -hmm. light bulb, you know, for lack of better terms, kind of turns on for him and you're seeing him take that big step that, you know, some players never get to that point, but a lot of players that sort of stay with it, at some point it happens. Uh, ESP and Lafayette, I think it was, man, was it, uh, it was Kevin Mawai, uh, not Kevin Mawai, Alan Fanick, who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I remember him talking about, man, like, you became a high school coach. Like, you've, you did well for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not a money thing. What is it? He said, I got into coaching in high school. He wasn't a head coach at first because it's that moment 
when the light comes on. And when you see it, it's hard to explain, but when you see it in a player, there's nothing more rewarding as a coach. He's like, that's why I do it. And I think that's really cool. And I think it's something that, you know, look, spectators, obviously we're looking at wins and losses, right? And I, I enjoy the, the, the behind the scenes stories of a coach or a player, but uh, and I think some fans do too, but there's there's so much we never see that you guys see, that you guys live and experience. And uh, my last right. thing for you, Coach, is I'm sure that a lot of the guys on Monday that competed in, in, in Pro Day, they had that moment in their careers where it kind of came on, mm-hmm. whether it be Levi, whether it be Farad Gardner, whether it be Big Sauce, Taylor Humphrey. I could go on. A number of guys did it. But seeing um, eight different players – you know, for pro day at UL, having NFL, CFL, XFL, all having scouts there. Uh, I know you're kind of in the in the thick of spring, and there's a lot of other things happening. But pro day at UL, right? It 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 doesn't. It, it's different now than maybe it was twenty twenty five years ago, and that's not just because of UL. That's just because of the sport as a whole. But like, do you do you take a lot of pride in that? Is there part of you that when you see pro day and you see these guys? you know, putting on a show for guys that are scouting the next level as a head coach. I, I'm sure from a reward standpoint, as we're talking about it, that's got to be pretty rewarding too. Well, certainly it is. I mean, you know, every kid that comes here, they dream of playing the NFL. Um, and and we, we want them to because, you know, I, I think when people want more, right, and they have higher aspirations, you can coach them at a different level and you can always come back to, is this really where you want to go? Then this is how you need to be coached. This is the feedback you need. And, um, you know, those guys you talked about, I mean, Levi Lewis from the day Levi and everybody, and I keep going back to it. Everyone's development is different, right? Levi Lewis came in here day one and he was like a fifth year senior with his maturity and just his focus and his drive and his passion. There was never any doubt. Okay. Chauncey Manack was a guy who really highly recruited out of high school, goes to one school, doesn't work out, goes to junior college, kind of got written off as a guy who really didn't want to do it the right way, didn't want to practice. And he got here, and he really didn't like the practice. Like, he didn't like the whole part of it. And after that first year he was here, it's like you start to see a change in Chauncey, and you saw him buy into the process and understanding that everything he did mattered. And he worked so hard. He became one of the best practice players we had. You know, and it's like you got both you got both ends of the spectrum, right? And it's just fun to see it all come together. And you see Chauncey, you know, the work that he did to get prepare himself for today, it wasn't just over three months. It was over three years. And you saw you see it all culminate into, you know, one day, one job interview. And when they go out there and have a great day, I mean it just it's like there's no other way to say you're so proud and you're so happy for them. That's why we change our schedule because I want our current players to see it. You know, we want our current players to go out there and go see what that day looks like because they all want it at some point and they all are going to be in that situation at some point. And you see the guys who've really prepared themselves well. And this year, our kids did a great job and they showed up out there and they had a really good showing. Um, you know, obviously, there, I think there was 30 NFL teams here is what it ended up being at the end. Um, our guys were in great shape. They were ready to go, ready to perform. And, you know, it's just it, – it, it's a it's a proud moment when you get out there and, you know, you see their dreams. Like, this is what everyone dreams of. I mean, I'll never forget, you know, like I said, it was 13 years ago that 
you know, that, that myself and I and my uh, graduating class got to go out there and do it. And it was the, it was, you know, the biggest day of my sports life at that point, you know, so it's, uh, it's something that you just, uh, there's a lot of value in it. Um, it. It's kind of a motivating piece for our current players. And it's something that, you know, our guys that are participating in it have worked a long time for. And shout out to long snappers, by the way, Bobby Hill. I mean, 19 reps on the bench, 32 inch vertical, 811 broad, 5.07, 40 yard. I mean, some someone asked me the other day, they're like, "Who's Bobby Hill?" I'm like, "He's a long snapper." And they were just looking at the yeah. numbers. They were like, "Oh yeah, um, get one of those spots at the next level, man. You can you can do pretty well for yourself." So I know that you know fans yeah. certainly recognize all the other names, but if you didn't recognize Bobby Hill. Looking at those numbers, I would say um, he's. I, I I don't know him personally, coach, but that's pretty good for a long snapper when you're uh, when you're performing in front of scouts. Yeah, oh, Bobby Bobby works hard too. I mean, the specialists. That's the thing. I mean, you know, specialists are like the group that you don't notice until something bad happens, right? So, you know, obviously they're an integral part of what we do, and um, you know they're expected to be experts and. And what they do, they're expected to go out there and go perform at a very high level. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, that group is, you know, they've got one chance to go out there and execute. There is no second down when you're talking about punt, you know. Hey, you got one shot to go out there and go make it work and go make it happen. So um, you don't get a chance to do it over again. So, uh, you know, those guys, I have a lot of respect for what they do. And Bobby worked really hard his craft and, you know, certainly did a great job for us last year. So to go out there and have a good day again, you're, you're, you're happy for them because, you know, he did a great job for us for for a year that he was here. Vermillion and White Spring Game this Saturday at Cajun Field, 11 a.m. Admission is free. Um, Coach, I will uh, I will not be in the press box Saturday. Uh, my wife has some training. I will have all three of my kids. So say a prayer for me. I am attempting to bring all of them to uh, to the, to the to some of the games Saturday because I got to take it in. So yeah. uh, I don't know if you if you see someone in the distance. While you're coaching, uh, chasing someone down a hill, it might be me. But uh, but no, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, should be great weather, great time of year, and always look forward to our conversations, man. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you having me, Scott. Thank you as always. All the best, Rage Cajun head football coach Michael Desimo. Good stuff. Learned a lot too. If you missed the beginning of it, I'll I'll have this up via the Great Scott Show podcast. I'll have it up on the website as well later today. Uh, the app, ESPNLafayette.com. It was, uh, I mean, on one hand, you know, you, you lose a couple of players, unfortunately, it's something you don't want in the spring. On the other, you know, circling out you know, Nathan Thomas, King McGowan, George Jackson, a number of guys on the old line that take it a big step, and you need that. Um, Chandler Fields or Ben Walrich, probably not going to be decided in the next few days. Never stay never, but looks like it is. You know, as far as the starting job goes, the competition between those two guys that should lead over into August, uh, into fall camp. Um, but if you missed any of it, a whole lot of insight in there, a whole lot of information. And a coach is always generous with his time when he comes on here. I know he's busy. We'll take a quick time out when we come back. The nice day for the Pelicans. I'll explain why. The Saints making trades. What are they making trades for? Why are we quick to go? Raid the trades. Why am I guilty of it sometimes? Am I getting am I am I psychoanalyzing too much anyway? Probably so. We're gonna dig into all of it. Anthony Babino joining me at eight via the phone line. He is up in Rustin. Cajun's uh, again too generous last night, giving up 
Too many free bases to the Bulldogs and fell to La Tech. They'll get another shot at them tonight. We got a lot to get into with Bab coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Open phone lines in the next segment, 337-269-1077. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show continues right after this. While the team's giving all they got against the opponent, he's giving all he's got on the airwaves. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Anthony Babineau coming up uh, in a little bit, about 10 minutes. Phone line's open right now. Anybody wants to get in, this is your time to do it. 337-269-1077. We got the Saints making moves for the draft. And it when Adam Schefter, I guess, broke the news Monday, it was kind of just like, kinda, I, had, I, I had to look for a while and be like, okay, wait, what is, what's happening here? What's What are they doing? So now they have two picks in this year's draft. They lost the 101st overall in this year's draft, which is which is a good pick. They lost a, a future second-round pick and swapped next year's first-rounder for the Eagles' pick this year. And now the Saints have two picks in the first round. And, you know, at first I was, I don't know, I guess I was annoyed. But the reality is... We're quick. We, we want to rush to grade these things. And I'll get to the phone lines in a sec. We want to rush. I'm guilty of it at times. The reality is it, it, it all depends on what they do with it. It really does. Philly just said, all right, we'll just move back a few spots. We'll move back from 16 to 18. We'll swap first. And I'll get a first next year, a future second. Not bad for just moving back two spots, getting a little 2024 20, second, and I get to move up into the end of the third round. And from a Philly standpoint, I get it. From a Saints standpoint, it just really depends on what Jeff Ireland does. You get major impact players in the first round on five year rookie deals. That is, from a value standpoint, if you take into account the salary cap, the most valuable contracts in the National Football League. Now, you could, you know, have a first rounder next year and do it that way and a second rounder after that. But that's the only thing that matters now is what they do with it. If they strike out on one of the two or both, it's a bad trade. If they nail both picks, it's a good trade. It's that. If they stink this year and the Eagles have a pick in the top 10 next year, well, what the hell were the Saints doing, right? We have to wait and see. So, guilty as charged. That was a little off put by it. I was a little like, wait, what? But I, you know, after thinking about it, let's just, 
It's just everybody just needs to relax. Let's all just wait a minute, okay? ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. I guess it's just because I haven't been thrilled about the Saints offseason to this point. They've made one offensive addition. It was Andy Dalton, which got rid of a future comp pick. In the meantime, I it just it, it that I blame that the lead up to me just being like, huh? But I just need to take a step back and say, look, let's let's just let's see what happens. Let's relax. ESPN Lafayette. Let's let's try to get a few phone calls in before we bring Bab on. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. Good morning, Scott. You're 100% right, man. I was worried about you when I saw that Twitter post. I said, man, Scott's ready to jump off the wagon, man. Wagon. Scott's First of all, I've, I, I was born on the wagon. I ain't never jumping off the wagon. Let's, let's get one thing know, clear. Man. I'm just picking. But, uh, no, man, I, I completely agree with you. I think if they do well and the pick that they get later is, is you know, is a late pick, then it, they win. But I just my – feel, my fear is just they're going to end up drafting some, like, defensive tackle from, like – Central Iowa State University hey, if Polytech. That, if that <laughs> left tackle ends up being a, a starter for you for the next five years and is really good, I don't care where they get him from. They could get him from, you know, Remington Technical College if they're there. And shout out to, <laughs> shout out, I'm serious. If you, if uh, shout out to everybody in Remington listening. If you play ball and you can play, I don't care where you went. I mean, it, it, yeah. if it's an old lineman, I get it ain't sexy, but. Believe me, man. With Armstead gone, you get you get a legit starter no, for yeah. a number of years. Sign me, I'll sign it. It's a, I don't care the position or anything. You just need two major starting impact players on rookie deals that are going to be great for you for the next five years. If you strike yeah. out on either one of those, then it's a bad trade. You have to hit yeah, you both want, of those picks. You want Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchick, like the year that they, we went oh. to that you want those sign kind of first rounds. Sign me up for that. Hell yeah. But hey, I wanted to tell you this uh, the day when you weren't there because you had the uh, Final Four. Uh, Ronnie called in and wanted to tell you that uh, he wants to give you all the smoke in Super Tech Mobile. And uh, he said he could beat you, me, Charlie, it don't matter. And he said he wants to play Tecmo 3 and he wants to smash Tecmo his boat. Tecmo so. 3. First of all, no one plays Tecmo 3. All right. <laughs> That's play Tecmo That's Super Bowl. No one cares about Tecmo 3. All right, we well, play Tecmo Super Bowl. All right, and that's the game everyone yep. played. You do it on the original NES, dude. I hadn't, I hadn't played. Oh, I, hadn't, yeah. I hadn't played in the original. I probably hadn't played it in twenty years, and I could roll out of bed and smoke them, guaranteed. Yeah, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I told Charlie and Lyndon. I said I'll let you pick my team. It doesn't matter what team on there. I'm gonna. Uh, I'll beat you. I'll put a hundred dollars. Not you. Those two. I put. I haven't played you, so I don't know. But I told my bet a hundred dollars. I beat him. I beat him with Ruben Mays, bro. I'll get Gil Finnerty all over him. I'm not afraid. But uh, the reason why, other reason why I called in, man, was like uh, to bring up that trade. Do you think that maybe the Saints kind of had? I guess you could call it like a not out there deal with the Eagles of like, look, we'll share picks 15, 16, 18, and 19. The only pick in the middle is the Chargers. I want this. You want that. Let's just kind of work together and make this happen. Do you think that maybe that was part of the trade? That it's more than just what meets the eye, or do you think it's just? No, I think I'm, I'm I, overthinking I, it. I think you're overthinking it. It's it's too hard to know what will be there and won't be there. Like you're, it's not the it's not in the top five. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's it's too it's just it's too hard to know. You can't you can't pre plan and make a deal like that. Um, that far in advance, and and as no, as a GM, you, you'd I'm be get, dumb not to. You'd be dumb to to do no, that, I guess. No, no, I got you. I guess what I'm saying is, when it gets to 13, 14, 
I'm thinking that maybe they may have conversations of like, well, look, man, you got 15, I got 16, you know, you got, you got 18, I got 19. What do we, what do we, what do we look at? You got 19, I got 18. You scratch my yeah. back, I scratch your back. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it doesn't happen, but, but I just hope, I just hope that they do make a move of getting at least one receiver. I know you said two impact players. It's just, I just want to have a sexy draft pick. I know, I know we don't always want that. We want players that can play. It just would be nice to have one you can get excited about. It would know, be like, nice oh, man, if it was on it. offense. I mean, they've, again, the offense wasn't good last year. They've lost players, and all they have done is sign Andy Dalton. Don't tell me that the offense is, is somehow good right now. I mean, it's not. It's not. No, and Blake Bortles was ready to steal the show. But anyway, man, I'll, <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, Josh. Blake Bortles. I want my release, guys. Granted. The boat. We hardly knew you, but hats off. All right, two more quick ones, and then we're going to get ready for uh, Anthony Babineau. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. Hey, good morning, Scott. What's happening? Nah, not not too bad, man. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna share my thoughts on the uh, on the trade real quick. <clears throat> I actually think it's, it's it's quite smart that the Saints did this, uh, realizing that by uh, realizing that hey. You know, next year we're probably going to get you know two compensatory picks for losing our safeties. Uh, well, no, you you lost so, you lost out on some comp picks. One one was a retirement; he didn't sign yeah. elsewhere. The other, you probably negated when you signed Andy Dalton, um, which was kind of dumb because you know you could have just signed Trevor Simeon. The other thing I keep hearing is, well, Sean Payton's going to go somewhere, and you'll get picks for that, and that's no guarantee either. Um, he might love broadcasting, and you don't even know what kind of negotiation would take place. I think, I just don't think they're, I don't think they're thinking that far in advance. I don't. I think they're just thinking about, if they were thinking that far in advance, they would have just, you know, said, we don't need Dalton. Let's just roll with Bortles or let's, let's bring Simeon back. I don't, I don't know that this crew is thinking as much about future comp picks. I just don't. Not based on, not based on the evidence they've showed us this so far this offseason. Well, I, doesn't losing the safety this year kind of grant you a, a, a compensatory pick? It, next it, de- year? It, it depends on what you do in free agency, though. So they went out and they signed okay. Marcus May, um, and so that that probably negates that. Um, you could have maybe gotcha. it's 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 a complicated process, but um, yeah, I, I think a lot of the comp picks they could have had they've they've kind of negated. Now at this point, you know, Tyron Matthew was there yesterday. Maybe they. You know, maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. I don't think they want to pay what what he's wanting, but we'll see what happens with the, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the market. I mean, that'd be a nice addition, but all that's kind of defense right now. They need, Saints need offense, and now they have picks 16, 19, 49, 98, and 120. So you had four picks in the, yeah. you have five picks in the top 120. You have two picks in the top 20. You have three picks in the top 50. You have four picks in the top 100. Um, nail them. Nail them. Go, you you, you got to knock this draft out the park. Definitely, and and, and Jeff Ireland has shown that, and Mickey Loomis has shown that since since Jeff Ireland pretty much got to the Saints, they've they've been amazing at drafting and developing talent. So we'll just have to wait and see, but it is exciting. But I'll hang up and listen. You have a good one, Scott. Thank you. Appreciate All the right. call. Last one. We are up against it. We got Bab uh, swinging a bat on deck. Let's head to the phone lines. One more. Good morning. Hey, Chief. I think that was a bad. That was a bad trade. 
Come on, you're, you were, you were getting on me about being negative, and you're going to call and say it was bad? I mean, it might be. We'll yeah, see. it was a bad trade. We'll see. Even bad trade is because they put themselves at the mercy of the team they traded with and gave up too much to, to get to that point. Just all they had to do was make a straight-up trade for Philadelphia's 15th pick. If I'm going to give up that kind of capital, I'm going to give you my 15th pick, and you can have my third this year, my first next year, second the year after. Philadelphia can go right out and turn through the Saints by having both picks out of what they have, out of screw them out of what they want. But they know what they want. Why put yourself in that position? You there? Yeah. Okay. Why would you do that? Don't give them the opportunity. Why would you give up all of that draft capital to another team and then turn around and put yourself in a position to get screwed? We'll never know if they get screwed, but they'll definitely know if they get screwed. And if they're the ones making the trade, they're the ones who are going to have to live with it. And they'll know if they're getting screwed because they will happen. It'll, they, you'll find out on the football field. Uh, and I can see... Philadelphia needing the very same exact things that the Saints need or want in the in this draft. That's why I don't like the trade. Time will otherwise, tell, man. It's 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 they, they, if they if they knock it out of the park, we're 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 all going to be praising it. If they if they only bat five hundred, we're gonna we're gonna rip it. I mean, and rightfully well, so. Well, let's put it like this: they need an offensive tackle and they need a wide receiver. And they could use safety, okay? Maybe a tight end. If they if they don't get at least an offensive tackle out of this, and I'm talking about the top four, name the names. The with the uh, the well, uh, the guy from Alabama, the guy from Mississippi State, the guy from North Carolina, yeah, yeah. or the guy from Northern Iowa. You better get one of those four people. That's that's the four people. Those are the baddest guys in the room. There's them and there's Trevor Walker from Georgia. That's your top five players coming out in this draft. And and and, and there's some good there's some good offensive linemen. There's some good tackles. There ain't none of them the baddest ones in the room, like the four that I just mentioned. We'll see what they do. Brother. Other than that, you wasted your time. That's that's what you did. <laughs> Have a good one, brother. Derek emails. He says, Scott, why do you keep saying they're losing comp picks? What did I miss? You don't get a compensatory pick for Marcus Williams because you signed Marcus May. And okay, that's fine. It's not like, I mean, Marcus May's going to be, he, he's a starter. The ridiculous comp pick that they're losing next year is signing Andy Dalton. Teron Armstead left on a five-year, $75 million contract. They signed Andy Dalton to a one-year, $3 million deal to be a backup quarterback. And they lost a third-rounder compensatory pick next year. When they could have just waited until the Monday after the draft, May 2nd, wait wait, wait less than a month. No one's signing Dalton. Oh, I've got a shot guy, right? Okay, if you don't sign him, so What? They've got Paulson Adebo in the third round last year. Would you trade Paulson Adebo, a player of Paulson Adebo's caliber, for Andy Dalton? 
No team would trade a third-round draft pick for Andy Dalton outright. And that's essentially what the Saints did. And so, on one hand, I'm trying to just be, you know, let's, let's, let's wait and see. Let's not grade the draft. But the reason I was so negative, at least on Monday, when I saw the details of the trade is because based on what the Saints have done thus far in the offseason, I'm just not super confident that they're going to knock this thing out the park. Excuse me. Just not. Anthony Babineau joining us at 10 after. He's joining us in two minutes. You got uh, one minute. Sorry to sorry to put it up against you. One minute. Go ahead. You're on the uh, you're on the air. Go ahead. Scott, Josh, just wanted to ask a few questions for Bab before you bring him on. Sure. Is that is that's all right? Uh, just curious about last night. Obviously, didn't get the result we were looking for, but I was mostly curious about two specific incidents. Number one, why not let Dirk come out for the fourth inning after he pulled himself out of the mess right there in the bottom of the third? And then number two, what was the thinking behind the double steal with Julian going from first to second, nobody out, and a pitcher that couldn't find the zone? If you could ask Bab those questions, I'd appreciate you, man, and uh, good show this morning. Thank you. All right, Scott. We'll talk to Bab next. Don't go anywhere. It's the great Scott show, ESPN Lafayette. ESPN 1420, KPEL, Lafayette, ESPN 103.3, K277DQ, Lafayette, a Town Square media station. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, 10 after the hour. Joining me now, as he uh, usually does on Wednesdays, is assistant coach Anthony Babineau, a raging Cajun lifer, as I like to call him. Now, he is in Ruston, talking to us from the hotel. Uh, Bab, is it, I mean, does it kind of suck to wake up in Ruston, like the, 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 the morning after a loss? Like, is there, there's part of it, or, or do you wake up like, you know what, last night's over. It's a new day has begun. How do you, how do you wake up on a day like today? Well, a little bit of both because, you know what, you wake up with a sour taste in your mouth, obviously, from the loss. But, you know, in our case, like today, you wake up knowing you've got another opportunity to go out there tonight and, and try to avenge yourself. You know, we've got to come out and play a, a better game, especially on the back end. We really do. Uh, we've, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but we, we've just got to do a better job, much better job on the back end of, of games. That's kind of been our Achilles heel somewhat this season. But we've got to cut out on the, the freebies and, and stop giving people stuff. I mean, it's we could point to a number of, of things last night, but 10 walks is obviously the biggest one, and I know Coach Diggs has used the word generosity a lot. I'm sure he might use other words in the clubhouse, but um, I don't know. I mean, it's I, I'm not going to say it's as simple as that, but that that you know, a lot of times when we talk, uh, Bab, you know, when it's after a loss, sometimes it's after a win. You know, we usually are pointing to free bases. I mean, that's that's just been a big part of it for you guys when it hasn't worked out for you. Absolutely, 
and and that's that's the bottom line last night. I mean, three bases, ten walks. I mean, that's a season high, I believe, for us. Uh, led to you know directly led to five runs. So, you know, we we mentioned about how one of the games over the weekend. You know, the game was lost when we had bases loaded, nobody outs, nobody out, and we got a sack fly. We didn't cash in. You know, you can directly point to that area. Well, you can directly point, you know, to the 10 free bases from last night. It, it just, it can't happen. And once we stop doing that stuff and, and decide to, to stop giving away all those freebies, We'll be a much better ball club. We'll be a much more consistent ball club, and we'll be able to start to work on some of the goals that we've set for ourselves. You've been part of a lot of teams. What What is the comfort level of this team on the road as opposed to at home? Aside from the obvious, right? You, you, it's home, right? It's home. It's home field for a reason. But like every year, you know, teams take on different. Per- there's some teams that love the road. There's some teams that. You know, it's shaky. Like, you can just look at the, the home and road record this year, Bab, and point to that. But is this is this is there a big difference in your mind, home and road, and the performances, or is it more just a coincidence in in, uh, in regards to the, the home and road record so far this year? I just think it's a coincidence. You know, I, I, I'm not seeing anything that these guys fear the road or, or get tight or nervous in a way, stadiums, I really don't. I just think that, that there's moments, whether because we've had moments like this at home, too, where we've given up too much and and, and given away too many freebies. It's just something that, you know, for whatever reason, we're, we're, we're being too generous. We really are. And we've got to cut that out, like I said, in order to start attaining some of the goals that we've set for ourselves. I was talking to uh, Coach Seth Thibodeau last week, and I was talking about different pitchers. We brought up Hayden Dirk, and he talked about how much, you know, the Hayden's, I guess, start last year. I know Seth wasn't here last year, but he he knows the team well. He knows what happened, and he knows the roster. And uh, where he was at coming into this season and how how much he, he enjoys being coached and how much he works to improve. And, um, you know, seeing him get the start last night, his first of the season, uh, get out of the jam in the third. I mean, he. It was when when you follow the careers of these guys, and I know Hayden's only a you know a sophomore, and uh, but he, you know being being from Abbeville, playing in North Vermilion, there's a lot of folks locally that that kind of follow his journey pretty closely. Um, there's a whole lot left in his journey, Bab. But you know, seeing him there starting last night, I mean, if you want to talk about a positive, I think I think seeing Hayden in that spot last night was was certainly a positive. Yeah, it certainly was. You know, he he's got such a good arm, such a, a powerful arm. I know Coach Daggs referred to him the other day as, as our best arm, and for all intents and purposes, it is when you talk about strength and velocity and and stuff. You know, he's our best arm, and and to be able to use him like we did to start him is huge because he can just. You know, when you have power like that, it can get you out of so many jams. When you have that stuff, you can call on that slider that he has. You know, it can get you out of jams, and he was able to do that last night. But he had a great outing last night. You know, he gave us a chance. 
gave us a chance to be successful. That's all that we asked for out of our out of our starters, out of our pitchers. Just give us a chance to be successful. It was good to see him back in a starting role, his first start he's had in quite some time. So hopefully he can build on that and provide a little stability for us, whether it be, you know, continue to be starts like that during the middle of the week or in, in big-time bullpen roles, whatever that may be. I know that um... – I don't know. Are different guys on different pitch counts? Like, was there what what went in the decision? I guess uh, I know you guys were down two nothing, but to pull a Hayden there was there a thought of maybe bringing him out for the fourth? Well, there there was a thought, but you know he was upwards towards close to ninety pitches, um, 80, 85, 90 pitches, something like that, and and you know you have the ability if he's going to pitch that way to, to you want to try to use him over the weekend, if you possibly can, not as a starter, because we've got our three starters as of now that are, that are doing really well for the weekend, but out of the bullpen, you know, you can be very valuable out of the pen, get us out of big spots or, or just pitch for us on the weekend. So, you know, that was the reason why we wanted to get him out at, at that particular juncture. ESP and Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Anthony Babineau, our guest. Coach, one more uh, from last night's game. A listener submitted question. Was looking for perspective on the, um, the I, guess, I think it was the double steal attempt with uh, with Julian. What uh, I mean, we, we know how aggressive you guys like to be offensively. Uh, what goes into that? I imagine it's it's not spur of the moment. There's There's a lot that goes into a decision like that. But walk us through a little bit about what's discussed. Well, in that situation, you just you can't get thrown out on the back side of that play, right? I mean, the first baseman is not holding you. You've got to get a bigger lead. And you just you can't get thrown out. You got to, you've got to know that a lot of times because we will do the same thing at times. A lot of times, if there's a slower runner at first, the catcher instead of going to the lead runner at third, will go to the back side at second base, and that's what they elected to do. And and we just didn't have a good enough jump, didn't have a good enough lead. We talked to him about it afterwards. You know, that just that just can't happen. It's it's momentum killers. On the other side, Coach uh, Warner and Cones, he had a pair of hits last night, and um, you know, it, it's we've seen him we've seen him play this year, but you look at his overall stat line, and then you see what he does last night um, at the plate and. You know, anytime a guy gets a couple of hits, people start talking on social media, asking about him and learning more. Tell us something about this young man. Um, you know, he's not somebody that I've I've asked you about specifically, but um, what's he what's what's he like in practice, and and what can he potentially be for this team on the diamond? Well, Warner's he's just steady Eddie. I mean, he. He's the same guy every day. He goes about his business. He does things the right way. He's just a solid, solid, solid college baseball player. He really is. Uh, that you know potentially could have a future in professional baseball, possibly. But but just a solid college player. He's got a very very plus defend tool. He's a great defender. He really is. Great defender. Not the not the best arm, but an accurate arm. And he just has the ability to nag like he did 
like he has been kind of recently to just come up clutch in certain situations, a big base hit over the weekend, that big home run last night, first of his career, right when we needed it. You know, so, so one is a guy that, that we definitely love when he's in the lineup, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> when he's in the lineup, he just brings some positive energy. I know he's kind of been in and out, you know, over the course of the season, but, his his play and his game is starting to be a little more consistent. That's why you see him in there more often. And he's just a joy to be around. We call him Rico. We're short for Rinconis and a junior college kid that, that we got from Florida. Just a great young man. He really is. I love love watching Rico play. Yeah, I think when, when you see what he can do in the field, um, just as you put it, I think that's a good way to say it, right? Steady. Uh, he's only got one error on the season. I mean, he just he plays clean there. He starts getting consistency at the plate, and you really see what he can do for the lineup. And um, it was good to see him. I know, you know, I think against in the Troy series, he had a, a multi-hit game and have a one last night um, offensively, Coach, as as a whole. Where are you guys now in your mind compared to where you were at the beginning of the season? Well, are you referring to, you know, our our, our lineup or no, no, just in general, to? like like just just the offense. Like, are you are you pleased? Do you feel like there's been growth there overall? Just you want to see growth during a season from an offensive standpoint? Uh, do you feel like it's been a steady? Do you feel like it's been a, an 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 ascent uh, to this point in the year? Well, what I do feel like is is that these guys have grinded against some very, very good arms throughout the season from the start of the season until now. They've had to work for everything that they've gotten. Now, I do feel that there's some times where, you know, they haven't been aggressive enough and they just haven't gone out and and taken it. They haven't put a game on their back, so to speak, when they've needed to or when we've needed them to. And that's something that I think that they're very, very capable of doing. I know sometimes possibly it doesn't look that way, but they're very, very capable of doing it. You've seen it in spurts when we can kind of get rolling downhill. It's tough to stop us. Yeah, I think that in times we've done a good job using our legs to produce runs, which is one of our fortes. We can really, really run. So, you know, the progression from beginning of the season to now, uh, I think there's definitely been a progression. But I do think that there's still, there needs to be more. There, there needs to be games where, you know, they the offense takes over the game and, and puts it on their back to where it doesn't matter if, now 10 is, is obviously way too many, but, to where it doesn't matter if the pitching staff is a little generous on a certain night, you know, we could overcome it kind of like the, you know, kind of look back. I was looking back at the whole season on the staff page yesterday, the different games and kind of like the McNeese game, you know, the offense overtook that game, gave up seven, but scored 10. You know, that's what I'm referring to when I say take over the game. I think there still needs to be a little more than, little more of that. Um, I think they're very capable, like I said, just haven't done that quite enough 
quite enough yet this season. And look, to get over this, to get over this, we're going to have to do a couple of things. To get over this win one, lose one, win two, lose two, win three, lose one type of rut, so to speak, that we're in is, is we're going to have to obviously score more runs. We're going to have to give up the freebies, stop giving up the freebies. But, you know, if, if our offense can just kind of overtake a game and cover up some of those, some of those freebies, we should be okay. Or if the pitching staff decides to stop giving up those freebies, especially late in the game, you know, last night, three, two lead in the seventh after that big home run, that game should have been over. It really should have been over. We felt like it, it felt like it was over because we were confident with the back end. It just didn't happen last night. And that's, that's, it's going to play out that way sometimes, but you know, it, it just, that game should have been in our favor last night, just a huge opportunity for our ball club going on the road against a great team with a great record with a great RPI on the road. Just a great opportunity we had last night that we missed out on cashing in some, some quality, quality RPI points. You know, the goal today is to go out and get this thing done. Bottom line, get it done to give us some momentum going into Arkansas state for the weekend. Yeah. It doesn't always work out. You and I have chatted about this where, you get to play a midweek game against the team back-to-back nights. You'll do it later in the season with Rice, and because of rescheduling, you're doing it this week with Louisiana Tech. And you say, look, from a you know from a scouting standpoint, you you, you prefer it. You kind of know what you're going to get. You, you get to if if you do lose, right, which you're not you don't want to do, but you kind of get to wash it and give it another shot. Uh, what's the approach tonight? And and uh, do you guys have a starter yet in terms of who you're going to put on the mound? Well, both the starters for tonight, um, at least from what I've seen, have been TBA. Um, as of the end of the night, last night, they had named one. We had named one. I imagine Peyton, ha- Peyton Havard may get the start tonight for us. But look, like I mentioned, the goal is, is to basically go out and get some revenge. It really is. And like I just mentioned, to get some momentum for the weekend. You know, it's going to be if Arkansas State, you know, they've got a bad record and they haven't played good baseball. But like we told them at the end of the game last night, if you play like this, if you give up 10 walks against Arkansas State, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be pretty. It really won't uh, against anybody if you do that. So we've got to play much better tonight. And bottom line is we've got to turn it around, win the game, and get some momentum going into Jonesboro tomorrow. You know, we're going to take the day to travel up there tomorrow from here, get a good practice in tomorrow night at 6 o'clock in preparation for Friday's Friday's game. So we've got a, you know, this is a business trip. It really is. Each each road trip is a business trip, but this is this is no doubt. Uh, coming up here to Ruston, moving into Jonesboro, it's, it's strictly business, and, and we've got a, we didn't handle business last night, so we've got to handle that business tonight. Well, it was only game one of a uh, of a five game week, so more baseball in front of you, coach. And um, you know, I know you guys are anxious to get back out on the diamond this evening uh, for a week long road trip like this. What do you? Um, I mean, when you're on the road, maybe maybe you, you try to get some shot on the bus, but are you watching anything like on a, on a tablet? Like, is there a show? Are you reading a book? We've talked about book reading with you before, Coach Deggs 
call me out for never having read his book, um, which I guess I'll do this summer. But what's uh, what's what's the in the downtime? What are you doing during travel week when you're not working? Well, I you know try to get a little exercise in in the hotel in, uh, in the fitness rooms, and you know, if, like for for this week a week long travel, I, I've it's not like it's a a Thursday through. Sunday where it's the end of the work week and, and there's not much to do office wise, but, but with this, you know, even yesterday, uh, we've got the whole work week still in front of us. So just, you know, paying attention to emails and, and things that need to be done inside the office. And, and I've got some things that I'm, I'm working on for, for back home for, for something, you know, personally. So taking some time to do that, um, reading every once in a while, making sure that, you know, staying close to the big man upstairs. So, but just, just taking a little time, <clears throat> taking a little time to, to do those things. So no, no binge watching on this trip at all. Nothing. No time for that. No, I, I'm not a, I, I'm not a big binge watcher. Um, you know, at home, whenever there's time, which is not too, too often, but when there's time to sit down, you know, we'll watch, <clears throat> excuse me, watch a series that, that I'm watching, that we're watching. But besides that, I'm not a big binge watcher. Oh, you're, my, you're an you in-season My daughters, right my daughters yeah, my daughters, that's a different story. Uh, but no no binge watching for for me. Coach Anthony Babineau has, uh, has been our guest. Uh, Coach Seth Thibodeau stepped in for you last week and uh, pointed out that, you know, he, he's jealous of your hair. Um, uh, and of course I made a joke when he pointed out the player, you know, on the team always cuts his hair. I was like, well, that's not hard. And then I took off my hat and he's like, well, I guess it wouldn't be hard for you either. Uh, and then we just got a little envious of, uh, of your hairline coach. So, you know, if you thought we were going to sit and that, you know what that stemmed from is I asked him to like, give a little dirt on you. I'm like, look, he's not here. Like, come on, tell us something about him that we can maybe rib him a little bit about, tease him about, and he wouldn't do it. So just so you know, he didn't do it. Now, will you do the same, or can you give us, you know, some friendly dirt on Coach Thibodeau? Man, I really don't have. I really don't have such dirt a nice, on Coach such a Thibodeau. nice guy. Um, man. Such a nice guy. I really don't, man. I've, I've I've known Seth for a long time, and and always admired the job that he's done as an both an assistant coach and a head coach, and um, glad he was able to to get on there yesterday, um, last week and spend some time with you. I know that, you know, doing the radio and interviews is, is nothing new to him. So I'm sure, sure he handled it like a pro. Um, you know, that hairline though, although there's still a lot up there, it is, it does recede a little bit each, a little bit each day. Um, seems like more and more and more quickly as we go. But um, I don't want to hear it. Don't, don't, you, know, that, you don't get to tell that to thing. me or Jay or Seth. You know, go go complain about that to Diggs. You don't. I mean, if you you see our hairlines, you got to complain about that somewhere else. I mean, come on. I would trade. I would trade with you in a second. <laughs> hey man, uh, I don't know what to say. Hey, Coach Thibodeau, all his way. He also knew some like actual Beastie Boys albums other than License to Ill. So we we got into that a little bit, which I appreciated. So. It was fun. But, uh, Bab, it's always fun talking to you, man. I know when you're not in studio, we don't typically go as long, but I uh, appreciate you joining us from Rustin this morning. 
Tonight, uh, you can hear the game right here, ESPN Lafayette, pregame 5.30. Jay Walker, Brad Topham have the call. 6 o'clock first pitch, Louisiana versus Louisiana Tech. All the best, Bab, and uh, we'll see you next week, my friend. All right, Scott. Thanks, bud. Thank you. Anthony Babineau, hanging out. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll open phone lines back up, 337-269-1077. Speaking of coaches, what did Willie Green tell his team in the locker room after last night's win in Sacramento? Emails from you guys regarding the Saints trade and if you have any thoughts on Cajun baseball. The Natty. I was there, Kansas. Bill Self wins Kansas their fourth national title. That's one number less than the number of level one violations pending against Bill Self at Kansas. Does anyone even really care, though? We'll talk about that and more. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show continues after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. talk that's so legit it smells like beer and chicken wings i mean can't you smell it i'm smelling barbecue too espn lafayette espn lafayette.com and the espn lafayette app this is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel this is nfl which stands for not for long when you make them calls ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. On a Wednesday, phone lines open, 337-269-1077. Head coach Willie Green of the New Orleans Pelicans after last night's 123-109 win over the Kings in the locker room talking to his team. Guys, uh, look, gutsy win, long trip. We go three out of four on this trip, and that's pretty awesome. The big deal is that you guys have secured a play-in spot. That's that's freaking big time, especially you guys know where we started and where we are now. Now we still got work to do. We want home court advantage. We want to play our first game at home and go from there, okay? Bring it in. Let's go. We got team team dinner tonight. Together, all three. One, two, three, together. There you have it. No Jonas Valanciunas last night, but they get it done. And the Lakers, with their loss, now will finish likely with the um, eighth worst record in the NBA. They now can't finish better than some of the teams in front of them. And so what that means is the Lakers pick has a 99.6% chance to go to the Pelicans. I like those odds. I'll take it. 
the eighth best odds with the Lakers pick, which means they have a 20, oh, 26.4% chance landing a top four pick. As far as the play-in goes, after starting the season 1-12, Pelicans are in. They hold a one-game lead on the Spurs for the right to host that 9-10 play-in play game. They host Portland Thursday. They're at Memphis Saturday, and then they host the Warriors in the season finale Sunday evening. San Antonio goes to Minnesota. Then they play Golden State at home, and then they're at Dallas. San Antonio playing for that play-in spot. They... They um, won in Denver last night, so they're they're rolling right now, and they're not a team. You know, if you if you'd rather, which team would you rather play right now? The play in the Lakers or the Spurs? I mean, you'd probably rather play the Lakers. It's a sinking ship. Things aren't going well there, but it's going to be the Spurs. It's going to be tough, and you hope that that gets to be at home. And then from there, you know, if you win that, play the loser of the Clippers and the and the Timberwolves on the road, and if you win that. Then you go from the postseason play-in to the postseason playoffs. Which is a great opportunity for a team that started 3-16 and and haven't had Sion Williamson log a single second of basketball in a game this season. 337-269-1077. Let's head to the phone lines right now. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Scott, quick question. Why isn't the chances of the Pelicans getting the Lakers uh, pick 100%? So What's preventing it from So basically um there are every every team in the lottery has a chance to land in the top 4. And as you know the Correct. odds change based on where your where your standings are. So you know the teams that lose in the play in um as well as uh let me think. So Minnesota um you know the 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 Clippers, the Pelicans, the Spurs, right? All of those teams will have long odds, you know. I mean, like a one percent chance, right, to land, uh, to land the number one overall pick. And so, if one that, of that those, is, that it, means they're also they can't make the play off through that. Correct. They they got to be losers in the play in. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And but so the Lakers the, not even in the play in. No, no, they're not even. They're no, they're, they're Lakers are done, man. Lakers are done. And now, you know, they they can't finish any better than eighth worst. And so that's why I say the eighth best odds, which it would it would take multiple teams behind them jumping up, right? Multiple teams behind them that have not great odds. I think, right, like let's say let's say the Pelicans lose the play in. They would have a four point eight percent chance of getting in the top four. A one percent chance of getting number one overall, which by the way would be their pick anyway. That'd be pretty funny. But like, or 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 the Timberwolves if they lose, or the Clippers. Let's say it's the Clippers. They it would take multiple teams that have long long odds of winning picks in the top four in the lottery, and that's why it's ninety nine point okay. six, right? It would take multiple teams, and the okay, odds of that it, are, are, are very unlikely. You would need You would need them out of the top ten, so you would need. You need three teams, I think, to jump them to get to 11. And, shoot, if that actually happened, you know, one of them would probably be the Pelicans with their pick, unless they're in the playoffs, you know, in the first round. So the uh, it's it's all it's, – it's not official, but it's all but procured at this point. I mean, those odds are so long, and it's just funny. And, and it, it's a big difference maker because 
all the, the the Pelicans owning that pick now Memphis just gets a future second rounder instead of a pick but you know uh, 11 or later that uh, the Pels traded out in the Jonas Valanciunas trade I know it's a lot to keep up with but yeah it's uh, the the Lakers demise is very beneficial to the Pelicans yeah but I, I thought the Pelicans weren't getting their pick this year regardless because of the McCollum trade and the Graham trade it's uh, it's uh, so it's, so they probably won't uh, it's top four protected, which is why I said if they were to move up with those long odds, they would, um, oh. you know, they would actually get to keep it, which would be funny. But the chance of that happening are, are you know, extremely. They're 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 not as long uh, of an odds of them not getting the Lakers pick, but they're pretty long odds. So it's possible they could say losing the play in, get in the top four, and still get the Lakers pick. It's possible they could have number pick number one and number two overall if they lose in the play-in, but that's not going to happen. I mean, the you know, mathematically possible, yes. What's probably going to happen is they're probably going to have uh, the eighth overall pick in the draft, or possibly they'll have a twenty-six point six percent chance of landing in the top four, um, which which because would be, it'll be the Lakers pick. Correct. Correct. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the explanation. You got it. Back to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Scott Show. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Scott, can you explain to me how um, number one is better than number three? How number one is better than number three? What are you referencing? You know what I'm talking about. Shit, please. Come on. You, you, you get, Ronnie, don't, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. How is better, Scott? Tecmo, it's not, it's not, no, number one is Tecmo Bowl. Number two is Tecmo Super Bowl. All right. Number three is Tecmo Bowl three, which was not a great game. You sure? Yes. Tecmo Bowl is the original. Tecmo Super Bowl was the sequel. Now, it was the second one. Now, the second one also had additions on Nintendo, and then they had additions on Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo, which had updated rosters, but it was not Tecmo Bowl 3. Is that the one, is that the one with your own uh, trade players? That's Tecmo, that, that's, 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 that's 3. That's 3. That's yeah. the best one to me. No, are you, I mean, you think number one is the best? No, Tecmo Super Bowl is the best. Who plays Tecmo Super Bowl 3? I do. What? I just told you. Okay, so like, well, then you could beat one, anyone in because nobody Jackson, plays right? that. Tecmo Bowl had Bo Jackson. Tecmo Super Bowl. Okay, yeah. Tecmo Super Bowl yeah. also had Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen. The the, the first Tecmo Super That's Bowl the on the That's the tight Nintendo. end on the cover? The tight end on the cover. There's no, it's just, no, it's just a random Number two. person. Number two. What, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I don't know what system you're playing with. I don't know what game you're playing with. Tecmo Super Bowl still, or Super Tecmo Bowl, if you want to call it that, has, they have competitions and contests every year in Wisconsin. People come from all over the country to play in it. Nobody's getting together to play a Tecmo Super Bowl three contest. Sorry, Ronnie. I mean, it's cool that that's your game, but that's, come on. No, I'm, I'm asking you, which one is number two? The, um, what cover they have on it? What um, it's somebody from the Gi- it's somebody it. from the Giants. It's it, well, they're not from the Giants, okay, but they're yeah. not. They're, it's, the they're they're wearing, um, it, yes, it's a it's a it's a Giants. So helmet. they have a helmet on. Or something they have like a helmet that? on. They have like you know some dirt on the helmet. They have some face paint under there. Not face paint. They have some. They have they have. So the, that's uh, number two, correct? Uh, yeah, that's the second one. 
Okay, okay. But okay. like, so, so, so they came the out. Can... But uh, but you might be right. So I think I know where I got you. So Super Tecmo Bowl or Tecmo Super Bowl also came out. The one with the Cowboys on the cover. Right, it's a play. It's like a number ten for the Cowboys. So that was like a a an updated version. It wasn't it wasn't three. It was an updated version of Tecmo Super Bowl that was on Sega Genesis and on Nintendo. And it's basically the same game, just with with instead of nineteen I don't know eighty nine or ninety rosters, it's nineteen ninety one rosters. But it's it's the same game. Tecmo Super Bowl three was just. I mean, I actually had it, but I played it a few times, and I was like, "This isn't even fun. This is this is kind of bad." As long with nineteen, as long with nineteen ninety X, something like that. Yeah, it sounds like it. On the end, not good. Yeah, yeah, I kind of got them confused, I guess, you know. But to me, they all were fun, man. I mean, they all were nice. You played number one a lot. There's, I played number one when I was young, but once once the second one came out, I mean, it it, it it's far superior. It has every team. It actually kept stats. Which games back then didn't do it was it was mind blowing when it came yeah. out. You could substitute players. They had a Pro Bowl roster on it. You could play as your team. You know, it was it was far superior to the first one. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the one I'm talking about. Though I believe I kind of played them all. Though I'm Ronnie I'm for kinda, for I'm for, kinda... for a supposed expert in Tecmo Super Bowl or Tecmo Bowl in general. I mean, you, you appear to be awfully confused about this. I mean, I hope that's not how you. I hope you don't bring that to the table if you're planning on like competing. No, it's number three. I'm talking about though, the one you, the one you just described. Yeah, right. That's the one I like. Right, well, that's, that's what I like the most. You, you know, can, you, I, like I said, I like them all, but that was the one I like. I enjoyed the most. You play that one. You can play that one by yourself. Okay. <laughs> Have a good one, man. They had some weird ones. After look, everything after. Tecmo Super Bowl was not good. Tecmo Super Bowl three, they had one I think called Tecmo Super Bowl two special edition on Super Nintendo that no one played and no one got. All that, you know, come on, nobody wants any of that. There's only one. There can be only one, and it's Super Tecmo Bowl, Tecmo Super Bowl, whatever you want to call it. Either one, that will suffice. And Ronnie and I just had a conversation that some of you may not care about, but it was a throwback to an earlier discussion on the show. Apparently, Ronnie was talking trash yesterday, which she's prone to do, and that's fine. Tomorrow, James Butler, scheduled to join me in studio. Can't wait. Dan Patrick's show is coming up next. Appreciate Coach Dez. Appreciate Coach Babb. Appreciate all of you. It's been a fun show. It's flown by. Don't go anywhere. Dan Patrick shows next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. For those of you that have listened to it this morning via the stream, whether it be on the ESPN Lafayette app, your smartphone, your tablet, wherever you are, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile.